The capital stack is the debt and equity stack used to finance a transaction. In other words, the combination of the debt, things like loans, right, and equity and how they work together. Debt, you can think of as loans. For you today, you can think of equity as the cash brought to the table and would have some type of ownership interest. Welcome to the Path to Passive podcast, where we talk about building wealth and empowering lifestyle through commercial real estate investing for tech professionals. I always wish that other tech professionals reaching financial freedom had documented their journey along the way, so I'm doing it for the rest of us. Join us as we explore stories, many failures, and lessons learned along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Imagine you want to buy a $1 million property and it looks like it's a great deal and you go ahead and decide to buy it. You know that you have the bank on one side, you have some investors, and you also have some of the cash that you and your partners have as well. The way you put that money together from the bank, from the investors, and the cash that you have, you and your partners have is what's called the capital stack. The capital stack also determines the order of who gets paid and the risk associated with each of those levels. So in today's episode, we're going to be covering what the capital stack is in a little bit more detail, the layers of the capital stack, and a brief description of each of them, why you need to know the capital stack, and how it will help you be a better investor and help you with your day-to-day. So welcome to another episode of Path to Passive, real estate investing for tech professionals, where I bring you real estate leaders, entrepreneurs, and myself who can help you to provide the tools and strategies to start successfully investing and building additional streams of income with real estate. Today's episode is the capital stack. So let's get into it. I remember when I first started getting into learning more about commercial real estate, I started seeing how much there was to learn. And, you know, I started to get a little intimidated, really, by the perspective of how much there was to learn. You know, you, you, as you learn more, you see how much more is to learn. And it's never ending, right? I would hear terms like preferred equity, hear about senior debt, junior debt, mezzanine debt. And I was like, wow, there's... This is going to take forever to learn. You know, it's it's going to take a while to even understand this part of these different terms. And how long will it even take me to learn all the other components and then put them together? I mean, I already went through at that time. I spent a lot of time learning about the different real estate strategies around single family homes. And that took a lot of time as well. And so in addition to that and just being super busy with where I was at the time at, at my, my day job in tech, I had a lot on my plate. So, you know, the, the obvious questions that come to mind is, you know, is this something I should really go into right now? Or should I stay the course or where I'm at right now and, and just get better at that area? Well, I decided I could go. I mean, really, my curiosity got the best of me. And I decided to just uh, keep going down the road of, of learning more about commercial real estate. And that's what I did. I, I decided to dive in. I knew that if I was smart enough to learn, you know, as much technology as I did, then I could certainly figure out the different parts of commercial real estate too, and understand something like capital stack. I mean, at the time, uh, as, as a network engineer, I had to learn things like OSI model for networking. So how hard could these additional terms be, right? So it would just take some additional focus and doing the work to find the right resources. So I became determined. I didn't know exactly when, you know, I found it, but I remember, you know, finding the resources 
where I started understanding the capital stack and how it fit into the bigger picture of the properties. I saw layers, you know, what they were, how they interacted together, and the importance of each layer when purchasing a new property, or just understanding return structure and the overall deal. And, you know, things started clicking for me at this time. And that's where, where I really started to see how, uh, how everything is really connected. So that led to things like asking better questions when evaluating deals, asking more intelligent questions to sponsors, understanding how I would get paid in those deals, also very important, right? Describing to others why I thought a good deal would work for them based on their investing criteria. So having more meaningful conversations. Overall, I felt more confident in myself that I understood the capital stack and the related concepts, making me you know, just like I was saying, a better investor in real estate, but also business in general. Another curiosity and past in mind is um, uh, acquisition entrepreneurship. And I'll talk about that more in the future, but really understanding the capital stack, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what area of business it is, it's how all the funding is, is put together. Anyway, funny enough, it also helped me with my tech job as well as I saw more and more how capital is used in investing for new equipment, real estate, or other types of capital projects as well, just specific projects and the returns on them. All right, so getting into this, what the capital stack is, the layers, why you need to know, and how it helps you be an investor, right? So the capital stack is the debt and equity stack used to finance a transaction. In other words, the combination of the of the debt, things like loans, right, and equity and how they work together. Debt, you can think of as loans for you today. You can think of equity as the cash brought to the table and would have some type of ownership interest. And so with the capital stack, there are four main layers of the capital stack that you need to be aware of. You can think of these stacked like a pyramid from bottom and then going to the top just like a pyramid. And starting from the very bottom is called senior debt. Moving on top of that, the next layer is mezzanine debt, also known as junior debt. Then there's preferred equity on the third layer. And then the fourth layer is called common equity. All right. So starting with senior debt here is this is typically held by a bank. Right? It's considered the lowest risk position, and it is collateralized by the property or asset itself. Collateralized means that if the borrower, the person who borrowed the money, can no longer pay on the loan, then the bank can then take that property as collateral. Right? They have the first claim to it. Since senior debt has the lowest returns, it's on the bottom, in comparison to the rest of the stack, it provides the lowest returns to whoever issues the debt, but it is the most secure, right? Another thing to, to mention here with senior debt is that they do not participate on the upside of that deal. Now, upside of the deal is a common phrase, meaning that if the deal goes well and appreciates or raises in value, then any of the additional profits is considered the upside. So the senior debt does not participate in the upside. In the case of the debt issuers, they do not participate in that upside and only get paid on the loan by interest for lending that money. Or if the borrower defaults, they get claim to that property. Now, second on the stack, on top of senior debt, 
is what's called mezzanine debt. Now you can think of mezzanine debt like a, the second mortgage position, right? It's like the second in line. And it's called subordinate to the senior debt and has less foreclosure rights or less claim rights as well. And to offset any uh, of the rights and uh, the additional security, since it's not in first position, the mezzanine debt holders will require higher returns than the senior debt holders. Mezzanine debt may come from a bank or come through investors, such as from a debt fund. I'll talk about funds in a later episode. But for the time being, just know that it's in the second position. Finally, mezzanine debt holders may participate in some of the profits or the upside. Now, the third level is called preferred equity. Third stack, preferred equity, and it's because it's in the position in front of the common equity, and again, right after the mezzanine debt. So it's in the third position. Preferred equity is considered pretty flexible and bridges the gap between debt and equity. It shares an ownership interest in the company and holds the asset itself because there's something like an LLC that holds ownership of that actual asset, but it also pays a fixed dividend as well to the preferred equity stack. So they will typically get a higher return than the debt right? But less than the common equity holders. But to offset the returns, they will get paid first. So again, we're going senior debt, mezzanine debt, preferred equity, and the third, and now the fourth or at the very top, we're talking about common equity. So very top, we have common equity. And this is considered the riskiest, but the most profitable layer. The common equity is where investors such as the GP team will bring in their own capital to show that they're willing to take on some of the risk when financing the deal, like others in the capital stack as well. This is also where the GPE team, the general partnership team, will be raising funds, raising additional money or equity from LP investors as well. So why do you need to know about the capital stack? Remember, the capital stack is how you bring together debt and equity based on these additional layers. It's the combination. So in this example that I'm going to talk about here, we're just going to use senior debt and we're going to use common equity. So let's say that we want to buy that million dollar property like we talked about at the very start today. We would want to use debt, also known as leverage. So we'd go to the bank and we'd, they would give us a loan of 70% or $700,000, 700K, right? This debt would, would be the senior debt position at the very bottom position one, right? Now, we still have 30% left or 300K that still needs to be contributed to this capital stack to reach that $1 million purchase price. The remaining 300K or 30% would come from a common equity, which would be a combination of cash that would be raised from limited partners and the general partners, the GP team, bringing some cash over their own as well. So the capital stack would be 70% senior debt and 30% common equity for a 100% total price of that $1 million. So why is this important for us to know, right? It should, should be start to become evident at this point of how it helps you become a better investor, the more you know, right? So you can probably see by now that understanding where the debt and equity comes from and how they interact together will really help you out. It also tells you that if you invest as an LP, say that's one of your strategies investing, for common equity, how many other layers there might be before you? Is there mezzanine debt? Is there preferred equity in that deal? Remember that with the capital stack as well, 
you know uh, the order of who's getting paid from the bottom to the top. Following example, that means that the senior debt would get paid first, the interest on that loan, and the principal for that matter, and then the common equity would come afterward. So this would still be true that it would go from you know, senior debt, mezzanine, preferred equity in common, if there were more stacks, more layers involved in the stack. So this is also related to a waterfall concept that I have mentioned in previous episodes, but I'll make sure to go into that more into a case study in future episodes. So stay tuned for that one. To make this just a little bit further, take it a little bit further, you could also be part of a group that invests in layers of the stack like preferred equity or even mezzanine debt as well, which means if you were part of those groups that were investing in those parts of the stack, then you might get paid earlier, right? But smaller percentages, possibly, because of the increased security and lower risk of getting paid first. But it always just comes down to where you're investing and your investment criteria and your outcomes. That is why I harp so much on really understanding what your investment criteria is and making those decisions, right? Because if you do, then you'll start to understand how you can balance out your portfolio as well. If you want to be more aggressive with some and if you want to buy some that are lower risk, but also pay more reliable, uh, reliable dividends, if you will. All right. So this helps you understand altogether how a deal is put together by understanding what parts of the stack are brought, what debt and what equity, right? As well, who gets paid, the parties involved, and the risk involved, and the returns. So wrapping up for today, it was a very quick episode on an important topic called the capital stack. We talked about what the capital stack is, the debt and the equity brought together, some of the layers of the capital stack, or layers of the capital stack, I should say, senior debt, mezzanine debt, preferred equity, common equity, we talked about why it's important for you to know about the capital stack and how it helps you to become a better investor, such as the more information you have, the more intelligent questions that you can ask as well. So bringing us to the action of today. Today, what I want you to do is I want you to think about a house that you've purchased for yourself. And if you've never bought one, maybe some other big purchase that you have. Maybe it was a car or a motorcycle or just something where there was more than just the cash that you brought to the table. Maybe you had to take out a loan from the bank. Maybe you borrowed from a friend or you borrowed from a family member. Think about who had priority on that money and who needs to be paid first, right? If you did borrow from the bank, such as a car, are you paying the bank first, right? And so did you borrow some, some money to put down on that car? Right? Maybe it was something that you brought, you put down money for the car yourself. So you have that much equity involved. Anyway, you can see that in all these transactions, there are capital stacks involved. When you start to see how money is pooled together from different parties, you will start to see how the capital stack is, is, it takes place all over the place around you. And the great thing about this is once you start seeing that and you become aware of it, you can't unsee it. And that is a great thing because you start to see how money is pulled together and how it flows and how transactions are really put together. So the next time you see how a deal is structured, right, you can think 
okay, here is the capital stack. Here's how money is being brought to the table. You get to see who is coming, right? And you can see if it is a deal that might fit for your criteria or maybe even someone else that you know that also is investing that you can bring into the know, into the group or send that deal their way or let the, the sponsor or the GP team know, hey, I have a friend, I know someone that might be a good investor for you because this fits their criteria based on the deal structure, et cetera. So quote of the day, just wrapping up here, is that the work of art is like an onion. You peel off one layer at a time and each layer reveals something new and different. This is by Pablo Picasso, Spanish painter and sculptor. I just really liked how it was related to each, each layer, how it spoke to each layer and how it reveals something different. And that's definitely true here too, because as you peel back the structure of a deal and learn more about each of the different layers of this capital stack, you're going to learn something new and something different, especially how deals are put together in creative ways too. And so that's what we have to do for today. So wrapping up just very quickly. I want to say that if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review wherever you are listening to this and share it with a friend. You can also email me at steven at aritacapital.com on something you'd learned. I'd love to hear from you. And if you have other topics that you want to hear about or questions, you can also mail me in there or you can reach out to me on Instagram at the real Arita. That's the period, real period Arita on Instagram. Uh, and if you have questions, like I said, let me know and I'll create an episode responding to your question. I'll even give you a shout out if you like. So on upcoming episodes, we'll be talking about how to evaluate markets. So if you want to know about the factors of what to look for when finding good markets and what would be great for investing by lowering your risk as well, keep out of trouble of things that will be uh, poor indicators or, or show you signs of what poor indicators are in a market, that's going to be coming out in, next, in an uh, upcoming episode. So thank you for joining me today on this episode of Path the Passive, and I will see you next time. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Path the Passive. We love connecting with our listeners and those on the path to architecting their wealth and improving their lives. Feel free to let us know what topics you'd like to see in future episodes. Get in touch with us through email or Instagram. See you next week for a new episode.